Hello, welcome to Recapping with Delora and Ashley. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Recapping Podcast. Also, comment, rate, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We're on all the things. We would love to hear your ratings of the movies and shows we review. Email us your audio file to recappingpodcast at gmail.com and we'll play it during the show. Or DM us on Instagram and we will post and read it on air. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. Delora, what you sipping on today, girl? All right. I have this Angry Orchard Hard Fruit Cider. (laughs) It's strawberry. Oh, I don't think I've ever had a strawberry Angry Orchard. Do you like it better than the regular apple? Well, apple's my favorite, (laughs) but it's actually not bad. I actually was at Kroger and they had a mango peach option that was no longer available. And that that really hurt my feelings. (laughs) But this is good. I'm all about a good flavor. Um, And I love it because it's very summery and it's very much like a recap today. (laughs) (laughs) You feel like you out in the barrio sipping on your angry orchard? (laughs) I just told you a minute ago that I started getting into a new cider, Cider Boy Cider, which is really, really good. I have to see if I can find it here in Florida. I don't know if it was an Ohio thing or not, but we'll see because it was delicious. But I'm sipping on Bellini Cipriani today, girl. There's a spot in Sanford, Florida called the Whiny Winch. Shout out to the Whiny Winch. Oh, my gosh. And they have. That name. I know. And, <laughs> and what's funny is they have, like, pirate-themed artwork. And, like, they have their own bottles of wine. And they have the art. So I keep all of their bottles because eventually I'm going to have, like, this wine display in my house and oh their bottles. Because it's just dope artwork. Like, there's a local artist who creates all of their bottles so i mean it's it's just dope but this bellini cipriani is pretty good it's refreshing so to your point i feel like i'm drinking kind of a summery drink as well so mm-hmm, i'm with mm-hmm. you for this party tonight girl as we <laughs> recap and Carnival, talk a little hot topics Aria, <laughs> i feel like you know i feel like i'm in the pool the pool scene is my favorite but we'll get girl we'll get to we'll get there <laughs> Well, welcome back, guys, to recapping, of course. Um, We're going to get right into our hot topics today, girl. We're going to start with the hottest hot topic on these streets, which is Miss Britney Spears and her testimony (sighs) at her conservatorship hearing. So for those of you who are not aware, which I don't know how you cannot be because this has been everywhere, Britney has been under conservatorship for 13 years at this point, since 2008. Her father was appointed her co-conservator of her estate, along with another gentleman who has since been moved off as a co-conservator. But at this point, her father is still a part of things. And Brittany has not, up until this point, spoken really publicly at any type of testimony or anything about her conservatorship. So it was bombshell after bombshell that came out Delora. We talked a little bit about the Framing Britney Spears documentary and what we thought about that, but this is direct from Britney herself, right? So some of the biggest takeaways, and I'm reading this from an article from E! Online, 
during the hearing, she said, first of all, she wasn't even aware that she could request to end her conservatorship in all these years. She said, I haven't done anything in the world to deserve this treatment. It's not okay to force me to do anything I don't want to do. She said that Jamie and his team have done a good job of exploiting her life. She feels like that it should be an open court hearing so that Jamie, as well as the public, can listen to what she has to say. Mm. And then possibly one of the biggest things, Delora, that, you know, we have heard is that under this conservatorship, she doesn't even have agency over her own body. She says she wants to get married. She wants to have a baby. But she right now is not even able to take out her IUD in order to do so and that she's not even allowed to ride in her boyfriend's car with him. So it was just a lot of information that kind of came at us all at once. And really, we, you felt the, from what I've heard, the desperation even in Brittany's voice now that she's finally able to speak up for herself. So give mm. me your thoughts now that you've heard her testimony, you've seen the Framing Britney Spears documentary. What are your thoughts on this and the Free Britney movement? I was just about to say, hashtag Free Britney it's unacceptable. My biggest issue of it all, obviously everything she mentioned was horrific, but the fact that this is her father, Mm -hmm. this seems like a major conflict of interest. Okay. Like, especially with the dealings of her working, making millions of dollars. I I heard today on daily pop that she only gets $2,000 to spend um a month or something crazy like that just you make millions of dollars and you're only getting given access to two thousand dollars are you freaking kidding me exactly i couldn't do that (laughs) exactly like hold on i it's my body it's my talent it's my time and it's my reputation that is causing people to still come to my shows to still support me and you're telling me that i'm on a two thousand dollar allowance while all of y'all are sitting back making money off of my back and my hard work? My, I mean, no word of most of that money is going into a trust under her name. But Mm-mm. it's and also based off of my understanding, it's not that she doesn't want the conservatorship to be completely removed. It, she just doesn't want her father over it because she thinks he has some type of you know, sick control situation going on with it. I just... Well, I think at this point, she is, she does want the conservatorship completely removed. I think at this think point... So? Yeah, from what she's now saying, I think she's reached the point where, because she talks about the fact that it's, it's just plain abusive. Conservatorships in general, she yes. feels, are abusive. She said, I wish I could say... And typically for elderly people who are unable to take care of incapacitated I was just going to read a quick quote where she said I wish I could stay on the phone with you forever I feel bullied I feel left out and alone I'm tired of feeling alone and I think again to your point it's super disturbing that it's her father and for his part to say oh I am so saddened to hear she feels this way and I love her and all this and that like she can't have possibly only said this publicly right exactly I mean you remember several months back her son got went crazy on social media and he called his grandfather a jerk or he said something much worse actually Mm. and yeah I think this has been going on for some time I was also referring to 
when she, I think, tried to get her sister to become her conservator. Yeah. Um, that was several months ago, but she was denied, of course. But yeah, again, this it is seems crazy. like maybe she didn't know her full rights, Dolores. It sounded yes. like maybe she thought she mm-hmm. still had to try to shift it, whereas now I think her attorneys are going to go full force to try yeah. to remove it. But she has the momentum of high powered people. Absolutely. But as we saw in the Framing Britney Spears documentary, the most disturbing thing that one of Jamie's lawyers said was that in her years of practice, and she is a conservatorship attorney, she's never seen anyone successfully petition to remove a conservatorship. That was one of the most disturbing things I've ever heard, especially after watching the movie I Care A Lot on Netflix. (laughs) I was like, do I need to go ahead and get my law degree? Because girl, are being completely mistreated. And it's Mm -hmm. disturbing to me, not just for Britney, but for everybody, any person who has been taking advantage of this way. Obviously, Britney is our biggest case that we're aware of, but... I definitely think that cry that that is a cry for a, a larger issue to be looked at legally. Yes, and I heard some speculation that it could go all the way to the Supreme Court if things doesn't, you know, pan out locally. That would be insane. Yeah. But that also requires time and I really don't want her still living no under these conditions no i fully today, hope that if if possible yeah frankly. i fully hope that she's able to get from under this quickly i know that the free britney movement fans must be feeling completely um vindicated. not only up in arms but yes vindicated in the sense of you know remember after the frank and britney spears documentary came out we saw her saying like she felt some type of way but clearly that wasn't the truth this is mm-hmm. the the whole truth in that she is not happy she's miserable she has been in her mind abused and she said went so far as to say in some of her statements that she feels like she has within her rights to sue her family mm-hmm. after all is said and done and i mean that is that's well, intense thing, did you see the the article that said that her mom has come out and said that she's concerned mm-hmm. i'm like I, I just rolled my eyes at that point because you you cannot tell me she didn't know what was going on i just it's hard to know it's hard to separate with the britney stories from what people are saying because they are being forced or intimidated to say something versus what is reality because again I don't know all of the legalities but if you're able to force this woman to keep an IUD if you're able to force her on lithium when she says she doesn't need lithium like if you're able to do a lot of these things it's very scary to me to think about what you're able to do when you're behind closed doors yeah but as a part of this Delora we also have celebrities who have weighed in, including yes. uh, most notably, in my mind, uh, Justin Timberlake. Girl, yeah. What are your thoughts on the celebrity hoopla and um, quotes? I think it's promising. I'm, I'm happy. I'm not going to lie. When, <laughs> when I first became aware of the hashtag Free Britney movement, I thought it was some deep, divey place on the internet of people (laughs) just speculating you know the place where people speculate whether women are having real pregnancies or not you know what I mean the people who saw Beyonce's belly deflate those people (laughs) I wasn't naming no names okay (laughs) beehive coming at y'all trick daddy anyway (laughs) (laughs) but um but then when there were, you know, these documentaries came out and I, I saw the most popular one, 
my eyes have been open. And so I just, I'm just so happy that, you know, her truth is coming to light and she's getting some support from her peers. Yeah. Including her ex, frankly, you know, I I, agree. I agree. I think it's a beautiful thing that even with the trials and tribulations, Brittany has gone through on a personal level, right. That people would still come out in full force for her in this way. And I just want to say it has to be something to do with those celebrities that kind of capture your heart as a child that I still feel so connected to like the Britney's and like Amanda Bynes and Lindsay Lohan and anyone of that era when we were younger who we've seen kind of go through things. I'm still always rooting for those people. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And Brittany is one of them. I still remember when I first heard, oops, I did not, oops, I did it again. Hit me baby one more time. I was a a cheerleader back in the day, Laura. And being a, 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 yeah, being a black child from a predominantly black environment, I didn't know who Britney Spears was. It took me going to some rural areas (laughs) and being told, oh, you've, never heard of Britney Spears after somebody had her music playing for one of their performances. I was like, no, I've never heard of her. Oh my God, guys, she's never heard of Britney Spears. And I was like, well, (laughs) I guess let me get a little educated. And that's when I discovered Britney and NSYNC and all the nineties. Really? Uh, I grew up insulated in a very black environment. Let me tell you, like, no, yeah. none of that. None so, of that was on my radar. None of let it. me let me tell you about my story. <laughs> so I grew up in Detroit public school systems. Okay, so very black. However, because shout out I to was, Dayton Public Schools. Go ahead, <laughs> <laughs> DPS across the board. Okay, exactly. Um. So when <laughs> so I grew up DPS, right? All black, all black, everything. Yeah. However, I was not allowed to listen to the rap or RB of the day because it was too sexy. Yeah. I was Stephen Curtis Chapman, Michael W. Smith all day, every day. <laughs> and then my mom started, when she did allow us to listen to quote unquote secular music, it was all pop. Yeah. So it was the Britneys and the Instincts because they were also on Disney Channel right. and the Destiny's Child and things like that. Them Disney Channel specials used to be bomb. Girl, right? Yes. <laughs> so yes. I say all that to say, I, I actually was very much, um, you know, oh, baby, baby. I'm, I remember distinctly, <laughs> I remember uh, my parents used to say, especially my mom, she was like, oh, that white girl can dance. <laughs> she could though Brittany yes, knew what she, she was doing from no one asked her age. to sing really but she, if you wanted a, <laughs> a, an A count Brittany delivered with yes. those abs and all okay yes yes she did but speaking of that it's funny because I felt like I had I was allowed to access a lot as a kid and I will never my, if my, I know my mom's gonna listen to this I tell her all the time the one thing she robbed me of culturally was in living color delora that's what one though. thing i guess was not what, allowed though. to watch guess what we watched in living color every week when it came you, on do you hear that mom do you hear that the one i didn't allow to listen Jones. to secular music i didn't know tupac versus <laughs> biggie i didn't understand the depths of that feud 
Oh but my what goodness. I did know, my parents, the one thing they did that I did have exposure to, movies. I watched yeah. all the movies and all the TV. Yeah. I was but like, mom, music, you no. let me watch The Bodyguard repeatedly, <laughs> but I was not allowed to watch In Living Color. Epic. Epic. Girl, I used to, I remember one time specifically, I literally sat down. I was like, can I get some water? I sat there and tried to drink that water as slow as humanly <laughs> possible. That's why I love everything David Ellen Greer is in. Like, oh, oh, I everything. love David Ellen Greer. I was just watching Boomerang the other day. I love David Ellen Greer. But in general, I love the Wayans stuff. So, yes, icons. They yes. don't actually get enough praise, I feel like. We need to give them more flowers, especially Kenan. Exactly. I was about to say, Low Down Dirty Shame, as <laughs> top, top black 90s movie for me. Anyway, we've gone off on such a tangent, guys. We'll, we'll backtrack it. But those are just our thoughts on the free Britney movement. Let us know your thoughts on social or however else you want to get in touch. At Recapping Podcast. Delora, our second hot topic. This one is interesting to me because I had never heard this story. So T-Pain has been doing some interviews lately. And this latest one he did is for a Netflix series called This Is Pop. Mm -hmm. And basically he said that a conversation with Usher led to a very dark time in his life. He said that he fell into a depression after Usher told him that he fucked up music with his auto-tune usage. T-Pain said, Usher was my friend. I really respect Usher. And he was like, man, I'm going to tell you something, man. You kind of fucked up music. He said he didn't understand. He thought he was joking at first, but he was like, nah, you really fucked up music for real singers. And T-Pain said that this led to a four-year-long battle with depression. Delora, what were your thoughts when you heard this? Insanity. Again, speaking to our growing up, T-Pain and Usher are the soundtracks of the early 2000s, okay? Yeah. So, well, you know, Usher, obviously before, but yeah, was peak Usher. Anyway, Confessions, best album ever. Absolutely. And then T-Pain, as soon as you said his name, the first thing that came to mind was, ooh, we and I'm going to get home with me. Okay, anyway. (laughs) Got money in the bank. So we're doing the dance, you guys. The dance that's associated <laughs> with that song. If you don't know, you need to know. But yeah, anyway, that, man had, that man had hits, Lord. That man had hits. What the kids today call bops. Absolutely. Um, frankly, <laughs> you said it, you said it best, and it's it's exactly what I'm gonna reiterate. Words are powerful. Yes, ma'am. Words are so powerful, especially from people that you admire. Can you imagine? Usher has been in the game since he was a teenager, right? Mm -hmm. So for T-Pain to be, you know, a talented boy, man from Florida, hanging out with with somebody he probably idolized. With Usher. Exactly. That that would be like if Beyonce told Chloe. Oh, God. Girl, what you did to Feeling Good was detrimental to Nina Simone's legacy. I don't know. (laughs) Chloe, if you listening, don't take that in. She mean it. No, I'm just trying to throw an example because people (laughs) people lost their minds. Um, But it was a lot, sis, too. I love you, Chloe. I support you, but... We get it. You're sexy. You got the body. You put in a, you, you taking it out on, on the drive run. I would too if I was 20. 
three. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and had all that ass, girl, do your thing. <laughs> yes. But um, I think I think with that being said, I was trying to, you know, grasp the gravity of the weight of the words that Usher said to T-Pain. Absolutely. I can see how it's possible. I also believe there could be other factors, but that could definitely be icing on the cake. For sure, because if you think about it, T-Pain did become so known for using auto-tune that people thought that he didn't have talent, right? People thought he couldn't actually sing. It took and him being on the freaking mask singer that wasn't, for people to know that he can have, a, that he has a voice. It was, NPR, anyway. it was NPR Tiny Desk concert that made me realize really? how well he could sing. Because I was like, yeah. oh, oh, yeah. oh. I, see, I never doubted his singing abilities because... I mean, and he said it in the uh, in the uh, clip as well. He was like, "It's just a tool. Like I yeah. still have, I still have to make the beats, make the words. Like you know." He said, "Just because just because I popularized it didn't mean I use it for ever for what everyone else and used it." That's for. the key word, Ashley. Popularized. It had already been out. It's been out. Exactly. If y'all don't know about uh, some artists that came out in the 80s that used to use it, um, I'm going to need y'all exactly. to look back at your uh, music history. But the point is, Delora, to your point and to what I said when I sent this originally, words are so powerful. And I think the older I get, the more I realize that because it only takes you to say one thing to somebody and you have no idea how that hits them or impacts them, especially if you catch them on a certain day where they're more vulnerable. But also to this point of Usher being Usher and the way it was the setting, right? He was on a plane and he said that the stewardess awoke him up from a nap and said, Usher wants to talk to you 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 had somebody fetch me yes and then come at me in this very serious tone this very serious demeanor like what you're saying is you feel like I have caused an issue for the recording industry as a whole and for somebody of that stature to say something of course especially being early on in your career that is heartbreaking right and I mean I'm I'm glad that it didn't deter him from continuing on like it could have done others but obviously that was Mm -hmm. something he had to process through I don't agree with what I heard uh that was talked about a little bit when this was a hot topic on the view which was disappointment and usher I don't feel that because usher was being honest in that moment and didn't realize the gravity of his words but hopefully after hearing what happened or what T-Pain felt hopefully that makes Usher feel a little bit of a reality check like oh yeah I probably should be more careful with how I phrase things or you know how I come at somebody but I don't think he was wrong to express express it exactly especially because that was going I'm I'm sure there were so many people talking shit behind his back in the industry and he probably thought he was being a friend yeah Yeah. at least Usher set him down right I can see that and to your point again um, obviously the Bible talks about life and death being in the power of the tongue, but the other book that I really, really think is a required reading the four agreements. It talks about how your, your words are like little spells, mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And depending, and, 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 you know, it, it, it talks a lot about us deprogramming ourselves based off what someone might have said to us, even at a very young, very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
because you could, it could just be one person to say yeah. one thing and it'll yes. stay with you. And yes. it takes years to deprogram. Okay. Yes. And so again, I'm so sorry T-Pain had to go through that. I'm glad that he's on the other side of it. Um, and I really want to hear more from him. I hope he's, he's doing okay. Cause I know he had some, not, I don't think he had financial troubles, but he wasn't really popping like that for, for a while, you know, unless his heyday is over. Cause that's also another thing too. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I haven't followed him that closely career wise either within the last few years, but, uh, to your I loved point, him. I loved his verses. It was really good. Me too. We talked yeah. about that uh, when we did, when we talked about our end of year 2020 <laughs> yeah, that's uh, right. favorite moments. But for, Check sure, out. for sure, I hope that, uh, you know, it sounds like he was able to resolve those feelings and is able to move forward, which again, I'm glad it didn't derail his career. And to your, again, words are powerful. You got to be careful. I know I used to be much more loose lipped in my youth and uh, used to feel like honesty was the best policy. And I apologize to anyone who's listening. <laughs> If I have ever said anything, because I, I know, I know I can say some strong things sometimes. I apologize from the bottom of my heart. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, you know, you live and you learn. And hopefully Usher is taking this as a lesson. So that's all I have for hot topics today, girl. But guess what? We also have a micro dose today yeah. because we had the season seven series finale of Younger. For those who are not familiar, Younger is a TV Land original series premiered back in 2015. Mm -hmm. Again, seven seasons strong. And girl, we've stuck with it throughout. So it was so good. Liza Miller is the main character, aka Sutton Foster. Her journey, as well as all of the supporting players, has come to an end. So give me your thoughts on this series finale of Younger. I always feel so weird when a, a beloved show of mine ends, you know what I mean? And I feel like so many of my shows are ending right now, but I guess not everything's going to last forever. End of an era. We're about to have blackish ending. This Girl, is us is about to be ending. Yes, yes. So, so like I said, I, I feel always, I, I feel weird because I, I try not to have any expectations because yeah. it could either be really good or really bad. Uh, specifically, for example, Modern Family. I was just like, I loved that freaking show. Yeah. And then the ending came and it just came and it was fine. Now for, for Younger, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I did not see it coming. So I appreciated that. What I will say is, I genuinely enjoyed Liza with Charles and Josh equally. Okay. And I say that because, um, you know, leading up to the series finale, Charles and the billionaire bitch <laughs> Quinn were hanging really tough and I didn't trust her. Um, and I was like really rooting for Charles, you know? And I, I told um, a friend on social media that, Charles is good for Liza because at this point, you know, there was no way the show could have kept, kept going. This is shade that's about to come out. Younger would have been really unrealistic at this point of the show. You know, in the beginning, I, you know, for it was her fine. to still be trying to portray a yep. mid 20 something. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, I'm sorry. That was the premise of this entire show for anyone who's never seen this show is that Liza 
has been out of, she works in, once worked in publishing. She wants to get back into the game after being out because she had a child. She had a daughter and she mm-hmm. realizes her age now being in her forties is an, imp- is an impediment to getting back into the game. So she lies the big lie of the series that yes. she's 26 years old. And the whole series is her dodging people, finding out her secret or slowly revealing to people that, you know, what her Until secret is. Until it finally has to be revealed, right? Yes. So to your point by now, by the end of season seven yes it would have been a little far-fetched and so with that being said me genuinely loving her with charles when she was with josh in the beginning of the series it was was hot and i was one thousand percent here for it like their chemistry was through the freaking roof yes and i loved 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 it yeah but even when she transitioned to charles that was a tough breakup but I understood it because he wanted children and she didn't and so for us to get to the very end and he had the because I felt like they didn't know what to do with him in later in the later seasons also Josh yeah um but when he had the quote of oh I'm always I was always here I'm always here for you I was like this is perfect because he had the baby and they could be together exactly exactly i thought what was interesting is that they left it so open-ended like they made it very ambiguous they gave more happy endings career-wise to our main characters than necessarily love lives except for maggie you know maggie you kind of see get coupled off with janine garofalo's character but um a couple of things with kelsey taking incubator to la with reese witherspoon's company i just i wish that Liza had gone. I don't know why really? it's so. I have such a strong feeling about that. Is it because that. you hate that they were split up? I don't even think it's that so much as like. I think Liza's loyalty to Empirical, while I understood it, seemed slightly misplaced because I don't think Mm. that her loyalty should be to a company so much as to her own potential. Like, I think Liza, over the course of the series... editor-in-chief, though. I mean, I totally... Of a hundred-year-old establishment. I totally (laughs) get that. But we're talking about the possibility of new technology, of a new... of, Of a groundbreaking potential new trend in I publishing new authors yeah, it's just so voices. and she was such an integral part of incubator it just felt like yeah. you're letting your baby go for loyalty of a company and i don't know maybe mm. it's the millennial in me i just felt <laughs> like ma'am i don't know if this was the best decision but Jersey it's still a decision girl, though, you I know? Mean, it's, it's still a fit i mean either way i think she would have been fine it was just one of those yeah. decisions i was like really Liza? are you sure babe because she had to go work with reese witherspoon and i just feel yeah. like maybe we should have gone that way but i'm glad charles also to your point had a happy ending with finally really pursuing his writing dreams because while I'm with you where I thought her and Josh's chemistry was hot fire and I loved her a little bit better with Josh because I thought Mm -hmm. at this stage in her life that's what she was looking for she's done the husband thing yes yes thing I don't want to do that no more listen I am ready to live my best life yes I thought Charles was such a gentleman throughout the entirety of the series he is a beautiful man like I love both inside and out yes Marissa Hargitay's husband in real life, honey. Good lucky girl. Congratulations, sis. <laughs> <laughs> I thought 
thought he was a beautiful person, so I'm happy that he's gonna get to go. But they out made those him dreams. real shady towards the end, where I'm like, am I looking at Charles sideways right now? I don't know if he was shady so much as it was just supposed to show that he had deeper feelings for that original lie than mm. he was still letting like, on because unsettled, yeah, yeah, because the whole thing at the end where it was like, oh, that was just gonna be another little lie you kept. It reminded me of like, oh yeah, you never got past the fact that she was lying to you for years. It just seemed really passive aggressive for a grown ass man for me. I mean, it's he just... was he was being a little reserved. He was like, oh, you know, I I wasn't gonna say anything. I I was testing you, and I was like, uh. But I'm like, are we testing people now? You know how I feel about tests from Love Girl, Jones. I'm not on that bandwagon. Not at all. I don't like tests, but nope. I will say that again, the mentality I understood. So overall, I enjoyed the wrap up because again, I thought that it left opportunity um, for us to kind of imagine some life beyond this series and for our characters and not feel like, oh, well, that's it. Uh, I'm not satisfied. Mm -hmm. And also that Scamalot musical was funny as hell that was, was funny as yeah. hell and that's the thing that i absolutely loved about this show like the way they were able to incorporate today's lingo today's news um I, it was just so good like i referred i i was talking about something extremely random and uh, it was about like a celebrity who befriended somebody that they used to date the same person and i was like oh my goodness they're tunnel sisters and they was like what i'm like it's from younger what do you mean <laughs> legit tunnel sisters i've here. never heard that phrase before it I is forever wanted, in my vocabulary <laughs> i kind of wanted to see zane's fine ass make one more appearance just because know. he's so beautiful and girl guess where he's from where dayton ohio Shut up! Dead, 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 dead. Does he I have said, a brother? Girl, I, I said, where was he at? Where has I got he a been? Where have you been? <laughs> where have you been? Like, where? What school did you go to? He went to Stebbins High School. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So was that a rival school for you or something? No, but it's in Riverside. I'm like, I could have came through. Like, oh my goodness. Let me know, Zane. Stop playing. Well, watch him have been like kind of geeky or something in the drama club. And I don't care. Glow he, is, up. he is fine as hell. Okay. <laughs> he always is the fine guy in shows, by the way. Yes. Like the vampire the original. Yes. Yep. Yes. Fine as hell. Call very me. Sultry. Very sultry. He plays that role very well. I'm tagging then, him on this one. Call me, boo. And then the other part that cracked me up is how they were hiding Hillary Duff's. Uh, pregnancy. pregnancy oh my yeah. gosh it was yeah. hilarious the dress at the end I'm like okay now y'all are pushing it y'all are pushing yeah. a little bit absolutely <laughs> well that's all we got Laura for our hot topics and our micro dose today are you ready for the recap yes Ashley in the heights it is a Warner Brothers production it's available on HBO Max it's rated PG-13. It premiered this month in 2021, June 2021. It is a musical, Ashley, and it is two hours and 23 minutes long. Mm. Here's a quick summary. The creator of Hamilton and the director of Crazy Rich Asians invite you to the event of the summer where the streets are made of music, and little dreams become big in the heights. Lights up on Washington Heights. 
the scent of Cafe Cinto Caliente hangs in the air just outside of the 181st Street subway stop, where a kaleidoscope of dreams rallies this vibrant, tight-knit community. At the intersection of it all is likable, magnetic bodega owner, Usnavi Anthony Ramos, who saves every penny from his daily grind as he hopes, imagines, and sings about a better life. In the Heights fuses Lin-Manuel Miranda's kinetic music and lyrics with director John M. Chu's lively, authentic eye for storytelling to capture a world very much of its place, but universal in its experience. Here's the cast, Ashley. Anthony Ramos as Yusnavi. We know him from Alexander Hamilton. (laughs) Uh, She's Gotta Have It, Netflix original. And he's going to be in the new Transformers movie. Mm. All right, we have Melissa Barrera as Vanessa. And you know her from Vida. Yes. Uh, We have Leslie Grace as Nina Rosario. This is her first major role. We have Corey Hawkins as Benny. We know him from Straight Out of Compton. Dr. Dre. He was in Kong. And I cannot wait for this, Ashley. He's in the upcoming The Tragedy of Macbeth, starring Denzel McDonald. You watched it, okay? <laughs> so I cannot wait. And your girl, and your girl from uh, No Man's Land is also in there. She plays Lady Macbeth. Right, Francis, right. Francis know. McDormand, yep. We have Olga Mardias as Abuela Claudia. And apparently she was in Orange is the New Black. And I think I remember her in that role. That's the most notable role. Okay. Outside of this one, of course. And then we have Jimmy Smith as... Kevin Rosario, and he is legend. Okay. NYPD Blue. If you don't know, now you know. <laughs> uh, producers. A lot of producers. We have Lim and Will Miranda. We have Kiera Algaria Hondas. Forgive me for pronouncing your name, ma'am. Uh, we have Scott Sanders. We have Anthony Brackman and Mara Jacobs. It was written by Kiera. Algera Hodgins. Uh, this is her first screenplay, but she's she's done Broadway before. And then the director is John M. Chu, best known for his work in Crazy Rich Asians. But fun note: this is not his first rodeo filming a dance movie. He did the uh, not the first Step Up movies, but all its sequels. So. Mm. It's worth noting about that. And choreography, Christopher Scott. All right, Ashley, this film from Rotten Tomatoes got a 96% by the critics and 95% from audience members. Wow. And it's worth noting that our favorite Google users gave it a 84%. All right, Ashley, what's your rating for this film? I'm with the Google users on this one. I gave it a B minus. Okay. And my B minus, let me break it down. I enjoy the story about the barrio and the music, especially Corey Hawkins and Leslie Grace, a.k.a. Benny and Nina. 
Mm-hmm. I also enjoyed the overall storyline. It was visually appealing, including those big dance numbers. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. I especially wondered how things would resolve at the end because I had never seen this like you had as mm-hmm. a literal musical. But that run time, that two and a half hours, girl, I felt it in my soul. I know it was a stage musical, so I know they had to try to keep it as authentic to that as they could. But I had no intermission and it felt long. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where my B minus comes from, because if I was enjoying it thoroughly enough, like I did with Cruella, it would have flown by. But for me, it was Mm -hmm. like. This is good, but are we there yet? <laughs> that's how I felt. Loved it, but are we there yet? So that's my B minus. What about you? Thank you, Ashley. I gave this film an A minus. It is everything that I love about musicals. <laughs> it's like everything. Um, so <clears throat> I had the privilege of seeing the stage play. And I will tell you that... When I heard this was coming to the silver screen, my prayer was that it would be better than the stage play. I saw the traveling stage play. It was fine. It was fine. It was fine. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I fell asleep by the second half after intermission. So I understand what you're saying for the movie because I also was very much pregnant with Amara at the time, but (laughs) it was long. It was really long. Yeah. And so... When I saw what they did, I, I think John uh, M. Chu is a phenomenal director. I love the vibrancy that mm-hmm. he brings to the screen. I loved Ray- Crazy Rich Asians. I, and I didn't have any doubt, you know, in his ability. So I love that. If I watch nothing else, I have to watch the wedding scene every single oh, time. So epic. So <laughs> epic. But it gets an A- minus for some of the conversations around this film. And so, yeah, um, I'm not going to say spoiler alert just yet because this is worth having a conversation. So we're going to talk about the public, the public discourse with the casting of this film. Colorism. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into the actual recap after that. So Ashley, as you mentioned, colorism is a major issue. Uh, for people specifically in the Latinx community, specifically talking about Washington Washington Heights. Um, In an article by Refinery29, they talk about how a lot of um, Afro-Latinas were just not not excited about this film. (laughs) One Twitter user tweeted, must be two heights. The other one is, so I watched In the Heights. Listen, I've lived in the Heights for nearly 10 years on and off. There are not that many light-skinned folks up here. (laughs) The movie just wasn't Black enough for me. I'm glad I got, I'm glad it got made, but dark-skinned Latinos exist, y'all. I'm tired. You know, and so it's a lot of that, that conversation Ashley, what, what were your thoughts when you first heard this conversation about colorism? I went, was not surprised by that, especially once yes. I heard more about the fact that Washington Heights is a predominantly Dominican community. Oh, there was one more thing I wanted to highlight. Thank you for bringing that up, um, Ashley. <laughs> 
According to Wikipedia, Washington Heights is designated Little Dominic, Dominican Republic, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you know this, but, you know, there, there's a lot of brown skin Dominicans out so here in these streets. That was going to be my point that especially the popular people of Dominican descent that I'm aware of, like the Zoe Saldana's and like they are, they consider themselves to be black. You know, there's, there is a brownness to that community that I've been aware of as opposed to a lot of other Hispanic communities. Um, but it was, it, it was again, not surprising for one, moving to Florida has been eye opening in terms of the Latinx community Girl, and the yes. understanding of the variations within that. And the fact that colorism does exist and is a major problem and friends that and I have a who major are anti-blackness situation going on. So the friends that I have who are, do consider themselves black, there are some who reject their Latinx lineage because they don't feel they were ever accepted in that community. So I understood it. Um, it would, to me, because I'm not a member of that community, be the equivalent of, oh, we're watching a movie that's supposed to be about, you know, Black people in Africa, but the entire cast is light-skinned Black people. That would not make sense. And no, it also... I actually have that in my notes. I was like, it was like if they, if Disney or Marvel would have cast Wakanda with the cast of Blackish, I exactly. think there would be a problem. Well, like Amanda, uh, one of my favorite young Black actresses, mm-hmm. she said she rejected an audition for Black Panther specifically because she did not feel it was her place to be yes. cast in that film. So, yep. you know, I think it's important to have the conversation. I understand the idea that this was a major step for diversity in terms of on-screen representation in general. And I understand and respect that argument, but at the same time, obviously, I'm well aware that colorism has existed within this community now and that it is a problem and that those voices deserve to be heard just like everyone else. And I respect Lin-Manuel Miranda's statement on that and the fact that, hey, I'm listening, we will do better moving forward in the future. Um, and that's really all that I that I had on it. What about you? So, Ashley, um, so there's a couple of points that I have. So I feel like I, I have not been to Washington Heights. So I was not aware of the pre- predominant Latinx community, you know, that live there or, or even the shades that they are. But a lot of people that I follow and respect their opinions and things, they they were some of the first people to speak out. So with that understanding and seeing how they cast the film, I thought immediately, well, you could tell the studio was trying to make this film palatable for white people mm-hmm. to go see it. But the problem with that is with the box office numbers, they they made $11 million at the box office, which is awful. I read in Variety, they technically need to make $200 million for it to be a success based off all the money that they spent on marketing and production. Yes. Yes. And my my argument is if you if you were more inclusive to black and brown people we would have showed up for you and watched the film for you we did it with black panther we frankly do it with a lot of things in figures um bad boys forever or for life or whatever like we show up and obviously covid is a factor in that and in those numbers and people still not going to the theater but to your point yes i do think that if people are able to see a reflection of themselves and able to feel like they are a part of it then yes they're going to go out or at least have try to support more even if it's just watching it on hbo max 
So Ashley, that's another thing. So COVID and people going back to the theaters aren't the only reasons why it didn't do well because it didn't do well on the streaming either. Uh, in the same variety article, uh, they mentioned, and let me go ahead and give you the title. It says HBO Max isn't to blame after in the heights fizzles at the box office. It, it talks about how there's several factors. So this is a 2008 Tony Award winning musical, but it didn't have the pop culture reach like a Wicked or a Hamilton, which mm-hmm. is very valid because it was very niche at this point. You know what I mean? Um, because I watched Broadway, you know, you and I would know something about it, but the average person, not so much, if you know what I mean. And again, I didn't even know about this one. So, <laughs> <laughs> and they also blame that there were no, no quote unquote names to sell the film. So they leaned heavily on Lin-Manuel and uh, John M. Tro to sell the movie. And apparently it, that wasn't enough. And lastly, the time of year, surprisingly, when it comes to musicals, because musicals are a gamble for studios, apparently. Uh, blockbuster musicals typically come out during the fall, winter time. A la I see that. La La Land and The Greatest Show. But then you also have the same argument of, well, you had big names in those films or whatever, right? With, mm-hmm. you know, M. Stone and and the wonderful Hugh Jackman. Um, Greatest Showman was phenomenal in Phenomenal. I think we probably should recap it during the holidays if nothing good comes out. <laughs> and then lastly, with Mama Mia, which came out during the summer, it had the following of uh, ABBA. ABBA's the soundtrack of that musical. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it, has, it has residents outside of outside of the actual musical but people who actually love that band so I just I just thought that was a fascinating take uh again colorism is something uh that is usually an indoor conversation that a lot of community uh, communities of color have is resonant in all the areas that were colonialized frankly because at the end of the day it's like we're all brothers and sisters that landed on different shores Mm-hmm. And we speak different langu- languages based off whoever colonized the area we were in. <laughs> I know that sounds very, very disheartening, but that's life. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, it's very insidious when you're constantly seeing the people who look like, you know, the quote unquote people in charge and like a the the actress uh, Gina Torres she's once said um and her quote was going around the internet they like they as in studios like their Latin women to look like Italians mm-hmm. <laughs> and and um that was very a very interesting take because if you think about one of my favorite movies growing up Zorro you have Catherine Zeta Jones she's Welsh Right. Right. Think about the fact that, I mean, Jennifer Lopez plays a variation of racially ambiguous characters on a very regular basis. We love the wedding planner. She wasn't Puerto Rican on the wedding planner. But and, I, and, and I understand the argument that actors try to say, well, I'm an actor. I can be, I should play be anybody. Malleable. Right. And what yeah. have you, but sorry, I'll let you get back on track. Yeah. Yeah. What I, what I was just saying was, 
it's just a fascinating, fascinating conversation. So with that, we're going to go ahead and say our spoiler alert and get into this recap of In the Heights. All right. So in this film, Ashley, we start off with our star, Yusnavi. He's on the beach. He's telling the story about the community he grew up with. Uh, He takes us back to 181st Street in Washington Heights, New York. It's a very hot summer. The community is full of dreamers, both literally and figuratively. And (laughs) I put in my notes here, um, like the heat, gentrification is running rapid in the community. (laughs) Absolutely. Driving up prices, causing local business businesses and business owners to make very tough decisions. So in the beginning of this movie, we have like every great musical introductions of all the characters. We are introduced to Yusnavi, Abuela, uh, Rosario, or Kevin in particular, Benny and Vanessa. We know that Yusnavi is the local bodega owner who, who housed everything in his store from maxi pads to fuzzy dice to condoms for the community. He is scraping all of his coins together for the dream to open up his own shop in the, the DR, um, just as his dad did. One of the things that I also thought was funny was how sweet they liked their sh- their coffee because I thought I was the only one. Uh, when Benny came in, he was like, I got your coffee, cream and five sugars. Mind you, the cups are what? Not even eight ounces? <laughs> I am not a coffee drinker, so I'll let y'all have that one. Again, we meet Benny. He works at the local um, Rosario's, uh, which is owned by Kevin, the proud business owner and widower, has a beautiful daughter. Uh, who's coming back home from Stanford. And we have the hot girl of the heights, Vanessa, who has dreams of becoming a fashion designer and actually leaving Washington Heights to pursue her dreams. And then the other main character we have is Abuela. She's the grandmother of the heights. She does not have kids of her own. She and her family migrated from Cuba and they have great pride in where they came from as well as it's worth noting that she doesn't take her meds all right Ashley what's your favorite what's your favorite musical number in this movie oh that is a good question I have multiple written down but I feel like my favorite was the song that they sang when they went to the pool. What is that number? 96,000. 96,000. Number at the pool was my absolute favorite. Not only just because of the, like I said, I love the big musical numbers, but it was just so visually appealing. I love the breakup. I love when uh, Sonny does his own little solo portion in there with everybody yes. in the pool. Like it was just a dope, it was just a dope. Uh, dance sequence and musical Absolutely. sequence. Absolutely. The choreography that was, my favorite. was phenomenal. Yeah. Like the use of the water and splashing mm-hmm. and it was wonderful. The visuals again when with Vanessa on the floaty and everyone dancing around her I'm just like this is literally breathtaking. Yeah I love when they did the mix up of the different lines yes. of people doing different songs but also yes. Lynn is very about- good at that. 
to your point about visuals, when they were walking to the pool and you had the actual literal visuals mm -hmm. as they were talking, mm -hmm. like, though, that's definitely a John Chu seems like, you yes. know, type of decision. Mm -hmm. And I loved it just for the storytelling. Wonderful. Okay. So for mine, because I love this movie, I gave it an A minus, frankly, because I loved literally almost all of the musical numbers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, and so since we're still at the beginning of this recap, the intro when Anthony Ramos is doing that dance with the, the whole block and mm -hmm. it zooms into him, I got goosebumps because it was just so intense and so on fire. He's like, in Washington Heights, boom! <laughs> I'm like, yo, this going I mean, it was just fire, fire, fire. Because again, this is the type of musicals that uh, that I love. It's polished, you know, everyone dances, everyone sings, <laughs> you know what I mean? Anthony Ramos is such a great actor. Last week, one of my hidden gems, yes. uh, the last recap was in treatment. And so yes. I was watching that while watching this. And it's yeah. such a huge contrast in character. I'm like, Anthony, you better do your thing out here. Oh, my goodness. I love that phenomenal. you say that. Because phenomenal. he is. Um, oh, so one special uh shout out in terms of my favorite musical number um Lin-Manuel's song um uh, forgive me if, if I pronounce any of these Spanish words incorrectly I took French in high school um <laughs> but Peraga or something like that he was speaking about his ice mm -hmm. um frozen ice and competing with the ice cream truck man when I tell you the level of petty that was done in that musical <laughs> number, I was here for Ashley, okay? Just like a cancer. <laughs> <laughs> touché, touché. <laughs> oh, and of course, the carnival, the, you know, the borough, forgive me again. It was so good. I mean, Lynn, again, I'm a fan of Lynn Manuel. And that's actually what I was going to say also during the colorism conversation. It's like, I, I feel like I put him in the corner, but I didn't cancel him, you know, because there's a lot of conversation on cancel culture. Because I'm like, how can I be upset at a man who introduced me to Leslie Odom Jr., to Divey Diggs, to uh, Renee Ellis um, Goldsberry? You know what I mean? Like he. Lynn he, is definitely not canceled. Definitely you know what I mean? not. But people were like, well, you know, and again, he was. You can tell he has great pride in his heritage, rightfully so. But people were just disappointed, you know, obviously, because he had probably a very heavy hand in this to end up only casting, you know, lighter skinned people. It's like it seems very intentional in that front. I think that there are a lot of things that go on behind the scenes, especially when you're talking about studios and getting things greenlit that people and the general public just do not understand. And I'm not using that. that as an excuse, but I'm saying I think that Lin-Manuel Miranda, I think that sometimes with the whole um, not not cancel culture, but accountability culture, understand intention as well. Lin-Manuel Miranda's intention 
Yes. Because obviously to depict yes. diversity and to have a diverse cast, did he miss the mark in, in a lot of people's minds and books? Yes. And he said in his statement, I'm listening and I will do better. Take his word for that and let him prove himself. Exactly. You know what I mean? He that man and, is not canceled. And to be and to be honest, the cast did reflect the different types of nationality. And I think it's also very and I'm gonna be frank, ignorant for Americans to even categorize the Latinx community comprised of over 20 countries. Every the, the umbrella includes Mexico, Guatemala, uh, Honduras, Cuba, Haiti, uh, Dominican Republic, and Puerto Rico. It's like it goes on and on and on. You know what for I mean? Sure, but that's one of the reasons why I love the Carnival del Barrio uh, yes. too, because you yes. get all the different nationalities. And you had the one chick who was like, "I'm this, I'm that, I'm that." And when anybody asks me, I just say, "I'm from Washington Heights." You know what I mean? Yeah, I loved it. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm all of those things. I actually put that in my notes too. I love the humor in that song, especially when uh, they were teasing Benny and. Nina of their relationship because um that's something that we do in our communities we tease people you know what i mean yeah oh i heard y'all uh i heard she stayed the night benny <laughs> when they danced on the side of the building oh my god heart emoji yeah yeah okay so ashley the other thing that's worth mentioning speaking of nina is that she's coming back from stanford and she's decided that she's not going back, which is a major deal because her father worked so hard. She actually worked really hard to get into the school, but he's working hard to keep her there. He you know, and she's and she's like the great hope for the neighborhood. I'm like, for the she was like, neighborhood. You would have thought she was like the star basketball player that was getting out the hood. Like, girl, they all looked at her like Nina. I mean, yeah, Nina. You're the one. You are the chosen one. You're the child that we need to succeed. Exactly. And again, one of my favorite numbers, tell me something I don't know, the salon scene. Mm -hmm. Ashley, it reminded me so much of but good hair, bad hair, Spike Lee school days with the salon scene. That's a good comparison. It was so epic. I loved it. All right. After all the introductions and, and seeing everything that's going on. Oh, it's also worth noting that Yuznavi has a major crush on Vanessa. That he's like so afraid to ask her out. Ashley, were you convinced by Anthony Ramos' performance as Yuznavi as this lovable, dorky bodega <laughs> owner? Yes, yes, I do think that I fell for it. I thought it was very cute. Again, because I've seen him play a variety of roles now, um, mm -hmm. I, I definitely felt it. I think because I know that him and Jasmine in real life are like this beautiful couple, the him mm -hmm. and Vanessa thing wasn't quite as palatable for me mm -hmm. um, as it could have been. But I still, I still believed him wholeheartedly in this character. What about you? Girl, Anthony Ramos is a star, okay? And he's yeah. hella swaggy. So I feel <laughs> like he could have absolutely get it, okay? Like, it looked like he, it was work for him to act dorky. It was funny seeing him try to act dorky because the way they danced at the carnival, I was like, huh. Well, so that's the thing is, I guess I never even saw his character as dorky so much as just like, I think him and Vanessa, 
I think Vanessa was the challenge for him. I think mm-hmm. that he stepped to every other chick. Because when they go to the club and he yeah. has the one dance number with that one chick, I'm like, yeah. it's not like he ain't out here. He could not get women when he wants to. I think Vanessa is just a different the category. Yes. yes. And they've been friends for so long. It's always interesting to try to navigate from friendship to romance. So I think that's why he was a little more shy. I don't think he was supposed to be a dork, though. I don't. So, Ashley, the reason why I say dork is because if you really read up the, on the character, it is a it is a term that's used to describe his character. Oh, and, well, then he it, wasn't able to do that. No, he, he wasn't a dork. But here's no. the deal. It was originated by Lin-Manuel, which plays that role very well. Oh, okay? yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, him and Anthony Ramos seem like very different types Absolutely. of guys. You know Absolutely. what I mean? And that's no shade on Lin. I like no. Lin very much as well. See, and see, and Lynn is the type of person that I genuinely believe he's probably a good guy. Like, you know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah, he seems like a sweetheart. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I don't know. That just. But Anthony me. definitely got swag. I mean. <laughs> yes. And since we're on Yusnavi, what did you think about the origin of his name? Uh, it was funny. I mean, I, I definitely, when I watched it the first time, did not catch his name until the very end. I was like, oh, that's his name? Like, it didn't <laughs> It didn't make sense to me. I wasn't catching it. And then um, it made total sense that obviously as an immigrant coming over here, that it, it should be something that is symbolic of that change in culture and lifestyle mm-hmm. and all of those mm-hmm. things and having this other dream for yourself and for your child. So I thought it was very fitting. I just thought it was very touching how proud his father was to make the journey to America. Yeah. Right? Again, so much so like that it's like, wow. It, it's just, it was just fascinating. And so much so when I had a conversation with one of my friends who has not seen the movie, he saw the original musical. That is a detail that he still remembers about the movie mm-hmm. is how he got his name. And I was like, that's mm-hmm. significant. That's what you, that's significant. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, it's something that could be easily laughed at, but I just, I definitely see the heart in it mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, Ashley, what would you do with $96,000? I'm going to invest some of it. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to diversify that portfolio. And also I'm going to, yes. I'm going to, some, some of that money's going to go into my home, any homeowner out there. Some of that's going to go into my house. So, you know, we do some, we move, we move that money around a little bit. What about you? (laughs) Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, You know, any, any debts, no more. And I'm going on a vacation. Okay. Um, Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Somewhere with a beach, somewhere with a really, really nice resort. Come on to Florida. And of course, (laughs) (laughs) um, and of course, investment, of course, of course. And uh, yeah, I'll definitely probably buy more real estate (laughs) and stocks. Diversify that portfolio. Exactly. And just let it work for me. That's pretty much the goal. Absolutely. Well, one of the things that I thought was fascinating watching the movie was seeing how much playing the lottery was part of the culture. And um, frankly, you know, growing up in Detroit, having family in Cleveland, I just thought it was a big deal in the city, but I guess it's a big deal across the across the way. Were you surprised to see that or no? No. I mean, everybody playing the playing the numbers. No. <laughs> 
if when you grow up in certain communities, it is definitely a thing and definitely the corner store and you Always. definitely know whoever the checkout person is and all those things. I mean, it's if you know, you know, it's just one of those things. Yeah. So it was so embedded into this particular community that both Abuela and Kevin bought a ticket and um, on their way to a, a, the pool scene, as you mentioned, Ashley, uh, Sunny informed Yusnavi that someone in their community won 96000 Major, major, major. I want an abuela, Claudia. Where is that lady? I know. She was so, I felt like she would give the best hugs. You know what I she mean? She did look like she'd give great hugs. And also just that sense of, there was a longing I had when I watched this in terms of just that community support that you get when you're mm. in a rural, in a, in a neighborhood like this. Yes. I thought it was beautiful. Like, that's one of the reasons why I was so conflicted about Usnavi wanting to leave throughout the entire film, Delora. Because I was like, really? how can you leave? Yes, it was like, how can you leave this family that's what it felt like it didn't just it felt like family I was like how can wow. you leave yeah I, I, I'm glad that you say that because it didn't even cross my mind that way like oh yeah well maybe too because I left my hometown that well, I, I did too <laughs> you absolutely did me a little more recent than you but you mm -hmm. absolutely did and I think I can only relate to it now that I have is my point mm-hmm well, your favorite number, 96,000, at the end of that number, they revealed the winning ticket and no one there won it. So the search of the winner was on. So we're going to go ahead and uh, talk about Navi's and Vanessa's date at the club. Okay. <laughs> this was actually one of my favorite scenes as well, because it's just like... It was like sexy. It was fun. But Ashley, what what did you think about Yuznavi and his whole hands off approach with Vanessa? Everybody wanted to dance with Vanessa because again, yes. she's the hot girl of the, uh, the heights. Okay, her milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. All I literally have that in my notes, girl. Was, was he avoiding her? No, I think he was playing it cool because, again, think about their dynamic. It seems like they've known each other for a very long time. Yes. They are trying to make that leap from friends to romantic relationships. He didn't even mm -hmm. ask her on this date. Sonny, his cousin, had to ask yes. her. Yes. And, then, and then it seems like she has a little bit more of the aggressive personality versus him. She's the mm -hmm. reason why they bossed this club. She wanted to yeah. go dancing. So I think he's just playing it cool, calm, and collected. I don't think that's what she wants. I think she wants him to be a little more. She forward. said, I want to dance with you. Yes. So let's dance. <laughs> but I don't know what it's like to be a guy and be in that position of having a woman who's so highly sought after and so desired and be trying to compete against that. So, you know, I think that he handled it the best way he thought he should in that setting. So I didn't blame him. But at the same time, I also understood Vanessa's frustration. It's like, hey, we're on a date. Are you going to dance with me or not? Stop telling these guys it's cool because I'm here with you. I'm here for you. I can't help that I'm hot in these streets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because the other thing I put, I was like, was that last dream even necessary? And then lastly, do you think he abandoned her? Because No. Because the big event happened. So what, as I mentioned, is super hot in the city. 
and there is a blackout Ashley in the middle of this dance scene or this club scene. It goes black. The whole city has lost power. And he was busy trying to get her a drink when she wanted to dance. He, he was across the room from her. They weren't able to find each other. And she yells at him and says, you abandoned me. And uh, he had the nerve to say, if you weren't shaking your ass for half the heights, that was low blow for a like a likable dorky bodega owner. Listen, it reminded <laughs> me of the scene from The Bodyguard. I ain't tell you to fuck everybody in the hotel. (laughs) Shout out to Kevin Costner. That was my scene. But I do not agree with her idea of the abandonment. I feel like that was for the sake of cinematic and, and musical drama because it seemed like an overreaction. Like, listen, again, we're out at this club. Maybe he wanted a little more liquid courage, which I totally understand. I didn't think it was that deep. And it just kind of annoyed me in the moment because it's like we're trying out this first date. We're friends. This to me got blown out of proportion. I agree. I agree. All right, Ashley. I'm going to go ahead and and cut over to Nina and Benny. They are secret lovers. Secret lovers. (laughs) That's what we are. Okay. He's super happy that she's home. As I mentioned mentioned earlier, Benny works for her father. (laughs) Not awkward at all. Um, But again, Nina is telling him about her, her struggles with her missing her community and, you know, also shame of, you know, walking away from making her community proud and all the hard work that her father has sacrificed. Um, one thing that I hadn't mentioned previously, her father at this point had already sold half the building. So uh, new cleaners, the whole gentrification conversation came up again mm-hmm. uh, to come in uh, to, for him to have money to support her in the dream, right? Her going to the best schools and succeeding. I like to go back a little bit before the blackout. Everyone in the community went to Abuela's and they had a beautiful dinner with each other. And the dinner was kind of taken over by Nina and her father. (laughs) She was very light in her explanation to him previously about her not wanting to go back to school, mentioning that she faced some microaggressions at Stanford, uh, being mistaken as a server. Um, But apparently it didn't get through her her dad's thick head. (laughs) And they have this big blow up basically her throwing the money that he sacrificed because he went as far as to not only selling half of his business but all of it so that she can go to school and she threw it back in his face and said no ashley i have so many questions okay do you think nina's being a whiny ungrateful daughter take it as that I took it as one sis didn't get any type of financial aid that was one thing that (laughs) bugged me especially for as as much as they made a point to say how far she well she excelled in school you telling me you had no financial aid no scholarships okay that was one thing 
Another thing was I felt like this was such a communication breakdown and I didn't understand why it had to be so contentious because I think the main point for Nina is that she could not find her sense of community that she longed for from home. Again, that's what I was saying yes. about Usnavi. This yes. is not just, oh, I'm cool with my neighbors. This is we are a family. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And so that was a sense of loss that was profound for her. Think about the transition in general from high school to college, let alone going across the country, being completely removed from this very insulated neighborhood, from your culture, all those things. So I didn't take it like that. I just wish that it, but again, it's drama. It's a movie. It's whatever I understand. It was just such a breakdown in communication that unfortunately it did come across a little bit like she was not understanding all that her father has sacrificed but at the same time the yeah. laura you can't live through your children right exactly so you and also I, have I, to I, understand where she's coming from i was also going to ask you do you feel like kevin was just blinded by his pride as well so but like yeah. you mentioned it was living through in some ways living vicariously through her and also um, putting too much pressure on her shoulder to say well if you can't stay in the ring who can like yeah i am not the great hope Stop putting that on me. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. And 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 you kind of answered this question because I was going to ask, do you think she was just homesick? Um, but then we find out in the same dinner that she was searched at school and mm -hmm. she was accused of stealing her roommate's necklace, which they which was not true. So that would absolutely suck for sure. But I mean, I can't imagine the pressure that she's under as well. Just being afraid to disappoint her family and her community, like, and, and the sac and I think she understood the sacrifice her father has made for her, for but sure. then at the same time, it's like, you know, you, she struggled with that through most of the film. And then also not having her mother, her mother has since passed away. So yeah, which is something that, that didn't happen in the stage play. That was something mm. that was different. I thought that okay. was interesting. We're now, again, back at the blackout. And Ashley, we have a wonderful number with Abuela. And I, I enjoy, you know, I, I enjoy how this film was able to ease you in and out of reality or Lin-Manuel might've referred to it as a heightened reality. He said that in an interview because Abuela is laying down, but then she has this beautiful number where she sings about essentially her or origin story to America and the journey that her family made. And uh, at the end of this particular number, we metaphorically see her make the transition into death. What, what did you think about the scene? I think it seemed like she decided to die. And mm. I say that because I feel my own maternal grandmother made that decision when she passed away. Mm. I think that while they made it seem like, oh, she stopped taking her medication and things like that. I think they made it seem as if she had reached a point of either I can go ahead and pass away or I can make the decision to keep living. And she decided, I think my time here is done. And I thought that was very interesting. I don't know if anybody mm. else felt that way, but that was what I took from Abuela's uh, musical number. Wow. I have nothing to add to that because that was well said. We're dealing with a community now that's coping with the death of their beloved matriarch. They're also dealing with the heat and the blackout. 
in this time, a lot of answers <laughs> come to light. Okay. Uh, speaking back to Kevin, we find out through his conversation with Benny that he didn't finish high school. And that could be a driving force for um, his wants for his daughter, Nina. Right. Um, we also find out that Sonny, I didn't bring him up before, but you did, Ashley. He's cousin of Yusnavi, who works at the bodega, is undocumented. I will say one of the most surprising parts of the film was to see Mark Anthony's performance. Yes. Sonny's father. Small role that made such a big impression. Major impact. I mean, the one thing about Mark Anthony, I always joke, I'm like, he's skinny, but he's swaggy too. Oh, <laughs> super swaggy. You fully understand why J-Lo uh, failed for that man. But... um. Did you have any surprising moments in the film? I mean, that was a big one because yeah. especially the way they panned to his character, yeah. it was so dramatic to see that that was who he was portraying as this alcoholic yeah. deadbeat, essentially. Yeah. Yes. So that was very, very good and very um, unexpected because I didn't know he was cast in it. And then the ending was, again, I didn't know which way we were going to go. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, so Sonny is undocumented and there's a rally that happens. One of the things that I also enjoyed about this film, so I didn't talk about this, but I'll previously but I'll go ahead and go in a little bit deeper the themes the themes I saw in this film community family pride right rep your set <laughs> um dreamers of all kinds and I say that meaning people who want a better life whether within their communities or outside of it, or even hearing the stories of their families, right? The immigration story. Cause I mean, in some ways, it's not in some ways we migrated to where we, we did for opportunities is within our country. Right. But, you know, and there is personal sacrifice that comes with that. Absolutely. Like raising a child with no family. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um, but I will say it, it, it teaches you a lot about yourself. I'll say it, that for sure. It does. And so, yes, they, they incorporated a lot of real life um, issues that the Latinx community community face that as people of color, we can empathize with in, in some ways, you know? Mm -hmm. So they went to a rally. It was for a pathway for citizenship. And at that moment, Nina was able to have what Oprah calls an aha moment that she found her spark. I wrote yeah. in my notes that did Nina find her ovaries or purpose? <laughs> I purpose. can't decide. <laughs> I think it was purpose because I, I definitely understand the being driven um, to do well in school, but not necessarily knowing what it was you wanted to do with your career. So I think she was possibly someone who was so driven to succeed, but did not necessarily have that thing that she needed to continue to propel her forward. That je ne sais quoi, right? Yeah. Anybody can do math, but it's like, 
what for? What, exactly. What, what's my why? What's my what's why? Gonna be- how is this going to benefit me and my life and also her community? Because she loved her community. She took moments to say, yes. let me listen to my neighborhood. Yes. You know what I mean? Point. Excellent point. All right. So a character I didn't really mention much, but she's a fun, loving character, Daniela, one of the business owners affected by gentrification, her salon is closing up and she's officially packing up and moving. And she's not leaving until she gets a proper goodbye, Ashley. (laughs) And again, I'd love Carnival so much. Um, The humor in that song had me rolling. She was like, since when Puerto Ricans are scared of heat? <laughs> in the carnival song I have in my notes, were Sonny and Vanessa Debbie Downers? Because <laughs> the other line that was pro- very profound is, we are we are powerless, we are powerless. And Yusnavi then comes and say, no, we are not powerless, we are powerful. So what what did you think about their their part in that song? I think it was just supposed to show the arc of where the characters were at the moment. To your point, Sonny was just devastated by the fact that he, at that Dreamers rally, realized that he wasn't going to be able to go to college like he thought he would be able to. Vanessa's feeling down because her dreams at this point, she feels are dashed about being able to move downtown to be a fashion designer because she's not going to be able to get approval for her lease. So I think that shows where they are versus Navi's like, listen, I'm about to move to the Dominican Republic and live out the dream that I've had since I was a child. So I think it's just supposed to show the difference and where the characters were and obviously as a community though you want the the music the number is supposed to feel more hopeful and more joyful so that's why I think they were just a little moment whereas the rest of it was a little more upbeat and powerful in terms of remember I said I love this scene because you have the people representing their different cultures with their different flags and it was just much more up tempo and culturally resonated probably with those communities like if this you know what I mean like rep yo country type of moment when people were watching this probably like hey hey I did look up the translation of the lyrics and the lyrics was it was like raise your flag high like raise it up yeah. So, and then again with the song, Lynn is such a good writer. Uh, when Sonny was like, back to the Debbie Downer part, when he went to Benny, he was like, Benny, you stole my girl. I was in love with her. She was my babysitter first. <laughs> I was like, Talk about Nina. Oh, I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Didn't use Navi is packing up, getting ready to go because the land is bought. And he cleans up Abuela's apartment and he finds a lottery ticket Ashley it is the winning ticket for $96,000 with his name on it okay are you snobby when I tell you it made me emotional when I saw that well I just said a boy like Claudia may have loved all neighborhood kids but Usnavi was the one okay but if you think about it, he, he was orphaned also. They, they were kind of the same in some way. Where Well, he didn't he also live with her? He lived yes, with her. Yeah. He did. Yeah. He did. Ashley, he decided to use the money to go towards the lawyer fees needed to get Sonny documented. That's a good man right there. I fell in love with him in that scene. I fell in love. <laughs> I said, I said, oh, that's that's a that's a gem of a human being right there. I fell in love with that man. But he, it, I'm not done, Ashley. 
This man went as far. He found, as you mentioned, Vanessa did not get the approval to move in this um, apartment that she wanted to go to fashion school. I, I thought it was interesting also in that scene, going back a little bit, how they highlight the realtor saying, oh, just get your parents to sign. And I was like, Im- immigrants don't have that luxury. And, and frankly, a lot of Black people don't have that luxury either. And it's just like, you know, these it was some intentional. Of the yeah, shoulder yep. privilege. <laughs> yep. He saw her application and he actually went to Daniela before she she moved um, to see if she could help her out. And and she did. And Vanessa found out and she was like, yo, you are the one. No one has ever done anything like this for me before. That's what she told him. Laura, do films set unrealistic expectations? Am I going to find this man? Let me know, sis. Yes, because words have power. Yes, it is. Oh my gosh. Going out into the universe as we speak right now. That's beautiful. My David would do this. I married a man who, after college, I did not go straight to corporate America. I worked for a bakery. And what I did not realize for a bakery are bakery hours, which is at the butt crack of dawn. (laughs) And we were dating. He was actually still in college. He called me every day for my morning call. Every day. Aww. Every day. So sweet. So I'm like, you know, you you marry people who do stuff like that. You know what I Absolutely. mean? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Again, they Usnavi went above and beyond. He gave up that money. He made sure that sis had her whole housing situation he together. He was all the strings before he went off I mean, to... Usnavi, go ahead and step out of the screen. I'm right here. (laughs) (laughs) Ashley, so what are the things I'm just talking, y'all. I know there are some wonderful men in the world. I know. I know. I see (laughs) y'all. You know, one of the things that is interesting at this point, because Vanessa finally tells him not to go. Literally right on his way to the airport. Girl, She's like, don't go. I think, what did I put in my nose? I said, she shot every shot she had left in her arsenal at this she, man. She, she sure did. She sure did. And actually, I wanted to ask you. Oh, actually, Delora, what I put was, Vanessa locked that down in the fourth quarter. That's what I put. <laughs> <laughs> That's even better. I love it. I love it. So, so Ashley, if you were Yusavi, would you stay or would you go follow your dream? I would stay. You would? I would have absolutely stayed. Again, for me, it was, and again, I say this as I know you moved and left your hometown too. Me leaving more recently, it's just been like a idea of like, what do you really leave behind when you leave that community that you've had your whole life? And in his case, it was so palpable because what is it that you're going towards? You're going towards this dream of Mm. life that you feel like you had when you were a child. There's nothing to me that is the future for him there. His future is in Washington Heights. You have a woman here who wants to be with you. You have a community that supports you. You have your cousin here who needs you. You have a business here. You would be doing possibly the same thing you would be doing over in the DR. So absolutely, in terms of my mind, there was more on his 
his plate there than in the DR because Delora, if he had went to the DR alone, yeah, what was he going to be happy? Well, you re- you got to remember, he kept saying the best days of my life every time. When he was five. That's yeah. what I'm saying. We romanticize our childhood sometimes in terms Absolutely. of the highs are so high. Yes. So what is it that you're seeking or going towards? It's a and dream. it's human nature to forget all the lows. Yeah. <laughs> it's a dream of something. It's not a reality. Your reality is so much better in my mind than what you think you're going to find over in the DR. So yes, I would have stayed. One of his quotes were, work so hard to get there and you forget about what's right here. And meaning like we... As dreamers, you always are constantly reaching, but you you don't take the time to see what's right in front of you. And so, and I'm not saying I feel like I should never left my hometown because I had legit reasons to do so. Oh, I'm no. saying in his no, case, because sometimes I'm in his case, you do move forward. Yes. And and I, actually, to answer the question I asked you, I believe dreams evolved. Like you know, for him, he had more things going, like you mentioned in Washington Heights than he did at the uh, DR. But some dreams are meant to be sought through. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So with that, he does decide to stay after Vanessa convinced him to, that was such a beautiful moment. Um, Vanessa was Michael Jordan out here. Okay. She ain't missing no shots (laughs) in the fourth quarter. On me, Steph. I got the threes from downtown. (laughs) That I'm going to put it all on the line, baby. So one thing I, I was I didn't understand or I didn't quite catch the first time around that I had to catch the second time is what happened to Vanessa's dreams? Because Vanessa also had dreams. Yes, of because leaving. of fashion. But so there's, there's Suenitos, their little dreams yes. were combined together at yes. the end, right? That was the yes. point. Yeah, That was the point. And I, and yes, so to close out this recap, Yusnavi stays. Vanessa was extremely convincing. And we realized the group of beautiful kids are are all from the future because we find out that one of the little kids is Vanessa and his daughter, little Iris. And we see that the ocean that we're first introduced to um, was apparently a figment of our imaginations because it is... <laughs> from the painting that was done in the mural that convinced him to say. So Ashley, I have a couple of questions for you to close this out. Were you surprised by this ending? I was not surprised, but I was very satisfied. This was the ending that I hoped for. So you knew that that was his daughter? Yeah, I mean, I had a feeling that, uh, first of all, I thought all the four kids were their kids. Honestly, I thought all four kids were their kids. But obviously, she was the one who was always just a little bit more engaged. So I understand if she was just the only one that was supposed to be Mm -hmm. their kid. But it didn't surprise me. Again, I was just so happy that that was what happened. Because I was like, if he does not stay, how can, like, what, did she follow you? Because, you know, I just don't know how yeah. else this can conclude. You yeah. have, you have everything that you want right here. The other question I have is, would you buy clothes from a bodega? Of course. Absolutely. You would. Absolutely. If it was, if I liked it, I have, 
I have reached that point in my life and in my fashion game where I don't care where I buy something from. If it's cute and I like it, I am team Target. I am team. Of course. I am team any like it does online shopping. It doesn't matter to me as long as it's cute. So absolutely. I would go in there. And if I like some of Vanessa's uh, stuff, I would give her a few dollars. Now, I can't say we have the same fashion because the fish, the fishnet holes under the shorts and all that is not my style. I was going to say, I, did you like her style? Because I didn't enjoy her style throughout the whole movie. It's not my style, but I can imagine it being the style of that area and the mm -hmm. style of, mm -hmm. you know, people who want to look like Vanessa. Because Vanessa in and of herself is a dope person Chick. you know what i mean yeah so i yeah. get it but it's just not my general aesthetic i'm very much about basics these days give me a black tee give me some black jeans give me you know and yeah. so it's not my my signature but do you vanessa i'll buy yourself if i liked it <laughs> did you catch the easter egg tell me um the one that i found that was i think the most obvious quote-unquote was when kevin was on the phone for Stanford to see about the deadlines. He was waiting or on hold and the song was, you'll be back, time will tell from Hamilton. Oh, that's why I didn't catch it, girl. Cause I only seen Hamilton like twice. Oh girl. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm not a super fan like you. <laughs> I know it's, you know, because I love the musical so much. I have to bust it out at certain times of the year. It is our <laughs> go-to Thanksgiving, Christmas time. But then when the movie came out last year during 4th of July, I might have to just bust it out twice a year. Got you. So Ashley, do you have anything else about In the Heights that you'd like to add? No, I appreciate this foray back into musical territory. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Everyone was super talented. It was beautifully done. It was polished um, and a lot of fun. And, and you guys, I know we had this conversation about colorism and that was absolutely disappointing, but I definitely think it's still worth a watch. Mm -hmm. um, I have faith in Lin-Manuel that he'll make sure to be more intentional <laughs> with his casting moving forward and if there's nothing else, that's the end of this recap, Ashley. All right, girl, it's time for Hidden Gems. I will go first and knock mine out. I have two this week. My first one, Dirty John season two. So, Delora, I talked to you a little bit about, I think, season one, my girl Connie Britton starred in. Season two, Amanda Peet stars in along with Christian Slater and what I'm enjoying so far because I haven't finished the season yet it's just a different side of Amanda Peet um, that I'm getting to see you know I love seeing women of a certain age once they're in Hollywood still get to act in a little more meatier roles and she's kind of reached the point of being beyond like the young cute sexy little ingenue phase of her career so I'm excited for her keep doing your thing Amanda um I think also because I love true crime series and this is really based off of a true crime that happened with this woman murdering her husband and his new wife. Um, it's fascinating to see what they do with it. So I'm here for it and we'll see what the rest of the season, if they do a season three looks I like. I know you were into true crime. Oh yeah. Girl snapped used to be my show. Okay. I feel like people who love like murder mystery, they go down that whole real deep. I find myself more into cults. <laughs> but 
okay. leaving Scientology or, or I watch know, those shows as well. <laughs> but true crime gets me. I mean, I get really wild, I don't wild country or something. I don't enjoy the shows about getting into the mind of serial killers. That's the cutoff for me because that's a very dark place yeah. that I don't want to go down. But the yeah. actual story surrounding these and trying to understand what happened. Oh, I find truly fascinating. Um, so that's number one. Dirty John season two is on Netflix. Um, the second one literally came yesterday because to tell the truth on ABC is addictive. I love this show so much. I was only planning on sitting down and watching the first five minutes and I stayed throughout the entire hour. So from for those who are not aware, to tell the truth is a premise where you have three panelists usually who are all saying that they are somebody who did something in some way. You also have three celebrity panelists. This is hosted by Anthony Anderson. And so the celebrity panelists are basically trying to guess which person is really telling the truth. And they get to ask it's a series fun. of questions. Mm -hmm. So from an original member of NSYNC to Beyonce's ex-boyfriend have been participants in the panel um, that you're trying to guess. It reels me in every single time, Delora. New episode Sundays at 10 p.m. The celeb panel this week is going to be Jenny Mai, Mabu Michael Ely, and Brad Ooh. Garrett. So okay. I will be tuning in at 10 p.m. on Sunday on ABC. And those are my two hidden gems. Anthony Anderson's mom is a trip. She's yes, really she is. I haven't seen her, but I haven't uh, lately, but I haven't watched a whole lot of new episodes for this season. But yeah, she's a fun addition to, to that show for sure. Thank you, Ashley. All right. So my hidden gem is different this week. It's food. In particular, <laughs> one of my favorite type of food, ice cream. Okay. Ice so, cream, you scream for ice cream. Anyway. So there's this place in New York called the Milk Bar. And I think I talked about them previously because I ordered a cake from them because. Yes, you did. Frankly, the owner and head chef, what have you, she's been featured on several Netflix like food shows and things like that. And I was just super impressed by her and I had to try her product and it's really good. Her stuff is just really sweet. And I don't know if it's because it's mass produced now for, you know, national consumption. <laughs> anyway, she and her company introduced ice cream and they have all these cool flavors that are based off of the baked goods that they sell. Again, the milk bar. So they have birthday cake cereal milk, milk bar pie, and cornflake chocolate chip marshmallow ice cream. You can find these flavors at your local uh, Whole Foods. And so far, I've purchased all of them. <laughs> They're pints of ice cream. And um, surprisingly, my favorite is the cereal milk and the cornflake chocolate chip marshmallow. So what I enjoy for both of them, they have this crunchy, sweet cornflake cereal swirl that's throughout the ice cream <laughs> that when you scoop, you get a nice, I like ice cream with a lot of texture. So you have this good texture. If I'm a hundred percent transparent, the cereal milk ice cream tastes like, the milk of frosted flakes when you're done with it 
You know what I mean? Mm, it's giving you that vibe. But the cornflake chocolate chip marshmallow gives you more texture and more things to chew on. Um, so I think I like that one a little bit more. Uh, the milk bar pie is really good. They have like gooey butter swirl with like oatmeal cookie. They call it toasted oat crust, but it, it reminds you of a good oatmeal cookie. And that one's good. It actually reminds me of um, a Ben and Jerry flavor as well, but fun ice cream worth highlighting brand spanking new. I think it hasn't even been a whole month since they've been selling it and it's something fun for the summer. Okay. Very nice. Thank you, Delora. That's a new one for us guys. Check that out. If you're interested in a little ice cream delight, um, that is it for this week. Next week, fatherhood starring yes. Kevin Hart on Netflix will be our recap and we are very much looking forward to getting into it with you guys so please stay tuned as always follow us on IG at recap podcast all the socials leave us a comment leave us a rating leave us a review tell your friends family everybody you know we appreciate you we love you and we'll see you next time bye